Everything you need is already inside of you. The world would not be what it is without you. When we begin to create change within us, we begin to create change in the world around us. Your journey to becoming your best self as the whole person starts right now. Hello and welcome to our podcast and webinar series here at Rise Up For You. I'm Lauren Sweeney and I'm your podcast host and the vice president here at the company. Today's guest is going to talk about money. Yes, it's going to be phenomenal. Her name is Ann Lester. She comes to us from New Jersey. Let me tell you just a little bit about her. She spent the last 20 years as the head of retirement solutions for JP Morgan Asset Management. Media coverage includes CNBC, Bloomberg, WSJ, NYT, and Barron's, which featured Anne on their cover. Congratulations. Her policy work includes testifying for the USDOL and the SEC. With AARP, she co-founded Aspen Leadership Forum on retirement savings to find breakthroughs to far-reaching problems of inadequate savings. Today, she's going to talk to us about saving, retiring, and all of the things in between. So before you get fuzzy or triggered, let's bring Anne on to our podcast to talk about money mindset. And we're excited to have you on the show. Well, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Absolutely. So how did you get interested in the financial world? Where did you start? Oh, that's, you know, that's a great question. And it actually started when I was a kid, which is not probably what most people say. And it's it's not because my parents or grandparents taught me how to invest. Um, it's because I read some financial thrillers that were written in the 70s. And that just kind of piqued my interest. And so, you know, I thought about banking as some incredibly cool, glamorous thing that I wanted to explore, which, um, you know, the reality is a little different, but but it was enough to get me interested in the subject and and pursue it, you know, when I when I um, finished graduate school. So, so that's how I got involved to start. Amazing. When you first started, did you ever think you'd have the kind of success that you've had and worked with the individuals and the Wall Street people and everywhere in between? No, not at all. And and I guess one of the things that maybe is a little different about the way I organized my career is that I actually didn't really organize it. I, I you know, back to the theme of your of your podcasts, I really did stuff that I thought would be fun. And and really, I just kept thinking, well, that sounds like a fun problem to solve. Let me see if I can solve it. And that's kind of how I, I built my career. And it really is, is I don't want to call it an accident because I don't think that's fair um, probably to me or the people around me, but it really was a series of happy coincidences maybe that, that you know, you do the groundwork and you are well prepared. And then when something sparks, you're ready to take advantage of it. And I guess that's how I would describe it. But no, I never, I never uh, would not have projected this as my career tra trajectory 20 or 30 years ago. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do you feel like you're most passionate about? If you could have the mic, which you have right now. Exactly. <laughs> what do you feel like, oh, if only people knew, or let me talk to my, you know, self 20 years ago, when it comes to money, what would you say? That time is the single most powerful thing that you have to build long-term financial success when you're young. So to my 20 year old self or my 23 and 25 year old kids, it is 
please take advantage of time because the money that you save in your 20s and 30s is going to be the money that lets you live a rich and fulfilled, rich in not material things, but rich in choices. Um, the money that you save when you're 20 and 30, you will have to save six times as much in your 50s and 60s to, to have the same impact. So it's, it's, it's an incredible gift. And I just want people, it's such a nerdy thing to say, but I really want people to understand the power of compound returns. And it's, it's something that is so slow to build. You don't see it change day in, day out, or week in and week out, or year in, year out. You really need 20 or 30 years to see the power of it. But suddenly, boom, you know, it's, it's your money is making more money for you. But it, it's a slow process. And that's what I think is so hard to see in your 20s yeah. and 30s. Absolutely. Talk to me about money mindset and what you've seen working with clients and companies and large organizations and all of it in between. How do you think that we hinder our own movement, scarcity and abundance? So I really have spent most of my career uh, before I retired working with companies and corporations designing and managing mutual funds to help people save for retirement and target date funds specifically, which are the sort of most commonly held thing now in, in 401k plans. And for me, one of the most interesting light bulb moments was, you know, for my own savings journey, and I, I will just confess right now, I, I was and possibly still am a terrible saver. So maybe my getting interested in this was also partly like, what, why can't I do this? This shouldn't be so hard. Um, but for me, a big light bulb moment was understanding that it's not a moral failure, right? If you're struggling to save or stick to your budget, it's not because you're lazy or you're stupid um, or you're bad. Um, and, and I think so many of us carry value judgments around ourselves when we don't measure up to some fantasy about how, you know, we should be behaving. And this is true for people who are, you know, I call comfortable or affluent, as well as people who are really you know, struggling to, to, to make the rent in an apartment that's livable. It's true up and down the income spectrum. And, and for me, what, what the, the light bulb moment was seeing that our brains are not wired to help us do hard things, right? And by hard things, I mean, pay ourselves in the future before taking care of something that you want right now. I mean, this is the classic example of the hotel minibar, right? Why would you spend six bucks or eight bucks or 10 bucks on a can of soda in your hotel mini bar when you can walk downstairs and buy one for 250, right? Or a dollar or something. But you know, there it is. It's convenient. I don't want to have to get out of my pajamas and put something on and go downstairs, right? So you hit the easy button. And and for some of us, savings, you know, is something to do after we've taken care of our immediate wants and needs, what we want right now. And so to me, the big breakthrough was, you know, that's that's not a moral failure. I'm not lazy, right, for wanting the Coca can of Coke right there and not having to, you know, take off my pajamas and get dressed again. It's actually human nature. And so what you have to do is, I think many people have to acknowledge that that's the way we're wired. And then once you acknowledge that is the way we're wired, it becomes a lot easier to say, oh, okay, well, how can I hack myself? How can I set up a system to step in between you know, that, that uh, I read something recently that described it as the toddler right inside of you. That's like, I want it right now. And, and, and the rational you that's not really in charge of yourself at the moment, right? That moment when you want something is not the rational long-term financial decision maker. It's like the hungry beast. So, so it's really about acknowledging that and, and figuring out for you personally, 
what you can do to, to step in between that moment. Absolutely. I love when you talk about hack, hacks and we talk about it in terms of confidence and building our leadership, building our emotional intelligence. We also relate to it as, you know, we're a whole person. And so our health, our money, our romance, our career, they all go together because we're not in a silo. And when we have an abundance of mindset, it affects all areas. It affects our money. It affects our health, our career our self-worth, all of it. And so what can we do to make it easier so that our monkey brain, as you're saying, doesn't just go to the easier thing, which doesn't serve us long-term. And I also hear, Anna, what you're saying, that compassion for ourselves, yes. because it is human nature. I would like that we want the easy button. That's just human nature. And a lot of us are extraordinary and don't hit the easy button all the time. But there are times when we do need it to be easier. We don't have a lot of capacity. So there's also that. Would you say that you've helped a lot of your clients as well and people with their money and making it automatic? How can we make it easier so we're not using as much grit and willpower? So, so something the 401k plan did, and this is something I've been a huge advocate of and, and certainly in, integrated into everything I did professionally, was to automatically sign people up. So, you know, once upon a time when I joined my employer in the States in 97, I was given this, you know, five inch stack of paper and said, here's your 401k plan documents. Please read them, you know, decide what you want to do fill it in and give it back to us. Okay. So there's so many steps there that people drop out of, you know, the whole concept of UX, you know, user design and design interface and how do you keep somebody on a journey was, was literally didn't exist. So these things were incredibly painful, you know, tiny print, really complicated mumbo jumbo. And it, in, it, in, it involved you making a sacrifice, taking some of your money away from yourself once you'd already started getting a paycheck, because of course you'd already started working by the time they gave you this, you know, huge stack of paper. So, you know, when people sign themselves up for the 401k plan, you know, oftentimes only 30, 40, 50% of the people in a company would actually get around to filling in the paperwork. And, you know, to me, one of the great revolutions of all of this was something that Richard Baylor got the, and, and, and uh, Kahneman got the Nobel prize for, which was this whole notion of nudging and instead of making it that you have to opt in or sign up for a 401k plan, you had to opt out. And so most people who go to work now and have a 401k plan at work, um, you know, their employer, when they start working, automatically signs you up. So you don't have to do anything. So, so this notion of automation, right, when you're lucky enough to work for an employer that offers a 401k plan and about half of all employers do about two thirds of American workers work for a company that has a 401k plan. If you're one of those people check and make sure you've been defaulted and then check and make sure that they're taking enough out of your paycheck because sometimes companies will only default you in at about a 3% savings rate. You really need to get that to 10 to 15% over time to be able to, to really build a robust portfolio for retirement. But the trick is getting in automatically and if you don't have that at work, you need to do it for yourself, right? And that is, again, a little higher hurdle. It's a little harder to start. You've got to find the online account. You've got to set that up. But if you make it automatically come out of your paycheck, you've reduced one of the greatest barriers uh, to savings, which is having to decide in the moment, do I want to save or do I want to go on vacation? 
or you know both. Which one I tend to pick. Well, <laughs> see, the, the both is maybe not going to be reality for some people. Sure. Right? So sure. Now, what about we have a lot of entrepreneurs? We do have a lot of leaders, executives, and CEOs that listen to our show, but also a lot of entrepreneurs that work for themselves. Right. And of course, they can you know talk with their tax accountant and their retirement specialist and all of that, and work on their SEP IRAs, etc. What would you say that you've seen working with entrepreneurs as well can be a hurdle just in the abundance of growing their client base? And yes, savings important and all of that. But let's talk with with that as well, that money mindset of attracting. So I think when when you think about building a business, you know, I think I think this phrase is applicable to a lot of things in our life. And, and it's, it's, I think, very relevant here. This notion of putting your own oxygen mask on first is a really important one. And, you know, I remember when I first became a mother kind of being horrified at the thought of taking care of myself before I would take care of my child. And, you know, you stop and think about it and you go, well, that's because if I don't put my mask on, I will not, I will asphyxiate and not be able to help my kid, right? So they may be alive, but then what, right? So, so, you know, I guess I would say the same thing here. You know, if you're, if you're building a business and man, it's hard when you're in that scramble phase, right? And, you know, you tend to put everybody's needs in front of yourselves and you're scrambling, 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 trying to, to build, build, build. You know, there's a lot of research that shows that the more financially stressed you are, if you'll pardon the language here, the stupider you become. Like, like being under stress in general and financial stress in particular really reduces your capacity to make good decisions. And so you get into this very negative spiral. So I guess, you know, one thing I would say is to the extent that you can, if not manage to set aside long-term financial stability while you're in that, you know, certainly early phase of building your career or building your business, be sure you've got a cash cushion, right? Or if not a cash cushion, a strategy for what you're going to do and how you're going to manage cash flow to take you through a lean six to 12 months. And, you know, the standard advice for people with emergency savings is three to six months. Um, I think that's a pretty good number for people who are getting a W-2 paycheck from an employer in a stable industry, three to six months, especially in today's job market is, you know, not a terrible amount to save up. But as the economy maybe gets a little rockier, as you know, the job market maybe becomes a little tougher at some point in the future, or if you're depending on yourself um, and you've got very lumpy cash flow, right? You've got a very lumpy business. You're in the business of getting contracts, getting deals, right? You really need that cushion to be more robust. And maybe it's hard to scrape together that actual 12 months sitting in a savings account of living expenses, but you can get creative about that too. You can have that money set aside and then put a loan on top of that. You can, you know, you can use, you can, there are different ways you can work with, you know, your banking team or your financial advisor, if you have one to, to manage that liquidity, to make sure that you never find yourself, you know, at that terrible place where you literally have put your house on the line or are risking personal bankruptcy because you couldn't manage that trade-off. And I, I think that'll make you a better business person too because Absolutely. you will have more room in your head to, to manage. Yeah, it talk, goes back to the capacity. We work with a lot of leaders about emotional intelligence and there's been a lot on our plates, especially the last couple of years during the pandemic and everything. And so the more that we can find peace and create that space, that energy does matter. Talk to me, Anne. I know you said that when you first started out on this journey, you never thought you'd have the wild success that you've had. 
what were some moments when you almost maybe gave up or was it difficult being in the financial world as a woman? You know, I have to say, I don't know if it's because I grew up basically with two brothers and, you know, I've, I guess I've always been really comfortable. Maybe I was a bit of a tomboy um, growing up, but I, I never really felt like being a woman was an obstacle or even a sort of positive or negative. And maybe it's just because I chose, you know, you bring your own energy with you. And I'm, I'm absolutely not, absolutely not saying that, that, you know, your energy can create a hostile situation because that's absolutely not true. Um, sometimes they just exist and, and you're targeted um, because you're a minority, because you're a woman, you know, who knows what, because somebody thinks you don't look the way they want you to look, whatever sex or gender or race you are. But, but I do think that I, I was very fortunate, I guess, to be uh, in teams, to be with people that, you know, for sure, I can look back and point out moments when I would say something. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, a guy would say the same thing and everybody would go, oh, that was a great point. And I'd be like, whoa, 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 I just said that 30 minutes ago. But, um, you know, aside from that kind of thing, I don't I don't really feel like that got in my way. And then it is at a certain point you do you know, as a woman, and I think that's true now, right? I mean, I think companies um, are really looking for strong women and strong minorities to to actively bring through their pipelines. So at some point, it also starts becoming a bit of a tailwind. I think the it's still harder to get to the point where that tailwind kicks in, like that's harder than it should be. Um, and I think that's that's slowly changing. You know, one one example I always think of is you know, I, I don't know, I still had kids in elementary school, maybe, and I was talking to one of my colleagues. Um, and he said, Oh, yeah, I never go to the Monday morning meeting at eight. And I was like, that's heresy. How come you're never there? The no, I have a, I live in central New Jersey, I'd have to leave the house every morning at six to get to that eight o'clock meeting. Um, and he said, Oh, my, my wife's a doctor, and she does rounds on Monday mornings, I, I, I'm taking the kids to school. So now I don't go. And I was like, Ooh, and then he said, and I'll tell you something else that hurts me, because I'm the only man whose wife works. None of my male peers understand this struggle. And I think, unfortunately, I'd say that's still kind of true for a lot of men in senior management, even my age or younger than I am, um, you know, who have been successful, often their wives aren't working. And so they don't understand the other side of that equation, I think. And that, that I think, is kind of where I see the real rub happening now. It isn't so much that there's you can't do this job because you're a woman or you can't do this job because you didn't go to the right school or your skin is the wrong color. I think it's more of just not understanding. It's this unconscious um, lack of empathy. You use the word empathy and understanding of what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes that I think is still sadly too prevalent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. If people want to find more about you and is the best place to go to your website, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for putting that up there. Yep. Yes. So Anne, A-N-N-E, Lester, L-E-S-T-E-R.com. You can find all the money mindset and how to save, how to retire, and how to just grow as an individual and a leader. Well, we love to ask a closing question, Anne, and that is, what does rise up for you mean to you? I think it means owning, I mean, owning your your stuff, so to say. I don't know how PG we need to keep this webcast, but like it means owning your stuff, you know? And, and I think that the more you understand what motivates you, the more you understand what your own biases are, the more you understand 
you know, my mom used to talk about the gunny sack, right? That's a very North Dakota phrase, perhaps. But like, what are you hauling around with you that you'd like to shed? The more you're aware of those things, the more you're able to step in to what you are capable of and help other people step up with you. That's what it means to me. Oh, I love that. Well, thank you, Anne, for being on our podcast. I appreciate it so much. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Oh, such a good topic. We could talk forever about money mindset. We thank you for listening to the Rise Up For You podcast. If you are looking for some more support, perhaps some coaching, or you want to know about our public speaking course, be sure to head on over to riseupforyou.com and check out all that we have to offer. Until the next time, Rise Up For You.